teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. If you're going to Mark, go with me to the sixth chapter. Um, and I want to remember, if you were here last week, I know some of you weren't here, but, you know, um, we had uh, we had some things on our heart. We want to, you know, because we, we've been sharing in this semester so much, and, and rightly so, but we've been sharing so much about just focusing in on it is the will of God for us to be healed. We've been looking in the scriptures, you know. <laughs> And seeing what the Bible says along those lines. And then we've been focusing on things like different. We kind of started out with the healing anointing and then different ways God moves when it comes to healing. And, um, you know, we stayed sort of emphasizing some of those things for most of the semester. And it just came up in my heart about a week and a half ago or so that we should spend some time uh, uh, looking at some things that are, I guess, what we could call other issues when it comes to divine healing or other things we need to be aware of, at least, that the Bible says. Uh, I've learned over the years um, that there's different ways to minister healing. And, and, and that being the case, then you have to ask yourself the question, if you're going to be in the position of ministering the word or ministering healing, you have to ask yourself the question, well, how does God want to use me? You know, and, and, um, and, in, and a lot of times you, you see in the body of Christ, for example, you see uh, healing ministries such as uh, Benny Hinn, where he has, he has a tangible anointing. Um, there is, and I use him as an illustration because I think most all of us know about him. Well, there's others, many others, of course, but um, he's, he, he's moving in things, gifts of the Spirit. He's moving in a tangible anointing, a corporate anointing. They get in there and they worship God and the presence of God comes in and things start happening, you know. Um, that's one, one way or method of healing, but that's not, that's not the only way, you know. Um, you know, for example... You notice that he's not called to be a pastor. You know, he's got a, an evangelistic meet, uh, uh, ministry, you might say. And uh, we have to realize that just because that God uses him that way, and then of course others that way, that doesn't mean that if you're not moving, if you're not ministering healing that way, that doesn't mean, well, you're not significant or that method's not important or... Or something like that. Because I think one thing we need to recognize is many of these mass healing meetings, which I'm all for, so don't misunderstand me. But these mass healing meetings, the, many of those people that receive in those meetings, now they'll, they'll tell you this if you call them and get statistics. I don't know how readily they'll give you the statistics. But uh, me, most of them, a vast majority of those folks that receive that way, they lose their healing within a few weeks. Or if not a few weeks, a couple of months. Amen. Well, um, you know, that's not to, that's not to Ill, illegitimatize their ministry. I think I might have just invented a word, but anyway. <laughs> I remember, you ever heard Dr. Dufresne make up words and you're thinking, I never heard that one, but I knew what you meant. <laughs> Hoogamooga, I think is one of his. You know? <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean, is that a word, illegitimatize? I don't, you know what I mean. It, it just because one ministry is not flowing in the way, in, you know, that it's not a mass meeting kind of a mass faith, mass anointing kind of way, doesn't mean uh, that that's, if they're not flowing that way, doesn't mean that the way this person's flowing is not legitimate. 
you know. So um, really, to be honest with you, uh, one of the ways I learned this was listening to Brother Hagin. He had an experience. He's got up to heaven and saw Jesus. And Jesus said, kneel down before me, put his hands in his hands, you know, and burn, began to burn like a coal fire was in his hands. And then Jesus said, stand up right on your feet. And Jesus began to talk to him about the anointing he had put in his hands. And Brother Hagin could, for healing, you know. But then Brother Hagin could go tell those, t those stories, uh, tell about the vision, and, and get large crowds and get miracles happening. Just a, a lot of miracles happening. But he said he noticed a lot of people lost their healing. Now somebody said, why would it be? Could it, why would it be? I never thought that if God gave you something, you could lose it. Well, you know, look at, for example, in the Bible. The Bible said, hold that fast what you have. Hold fast. That's in the book of Revelation. And then it'll talk about, um, uh, take, you know, lay hold of things. You know, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Things can slip. We can let them go. Um, and there's a whole lot more to that subject. But uh, the Jesus warned us that Satan will come back. You know, and uh, it's not always a demon present in the area of sickness. Sometimes it is, but it's not always personally present. Um, but he said, the way, this is the way the devil works in every area anyway. When the unclean spirit's going out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest, you remember, and can't, can't find. So he comes back. He said, I know, I'll go back. So Jesus is telling us that Satan will try to come back. Isn't he telling us that? So we ought to, we ought to pay attention. You know, look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. That uh, Satan is going to try to steal from us what we have received from God. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, um, Brother Hagin noticed that Satan would, would rob from many of these people's lives, rob their healing from them, you know, after they had received. So, he decided, well, look, I'm going to, I believe by the leading of the Lord, because it's blessed the body of Christ, those that will listen to it. He began to not only flow in that anointing, but he began to teach the body of Christ how to keep their healing. Began to teach them how to receive just by, you know, taking the word of God and uh, believing it and acting on it. And then he said he saw many people healed just the same as he always did. But he said uh, they would, most of the time they would keep it because he'd teach them how to keep it. He'd teach them Satan's going to come back. He'd teach them how to resist Satan whenever he comes. See, he's going to put symptoms on you and then he's going to say, see, look, you thought you were healed. Now look, you're not. But you have to say, Mr. Devil, Mr. Devil, I am healed. And resist the symptoms, resist the lies, the unbelief and so forth. And... Uh, so, the um, Bible says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So, faith is what we need to have. We need to have some faith whenever Satan comes back. And many times when people receive in a way such as a mass faith of a, of a crowd, you know, because or the anointing, a ministry specially anointed by gifts of the Spirit or moving in the gifts of the Spirit or something, when they receive that way, since they don't know how they got it, they don't know how to keep it. Or since they got it on someone else's faith. You know, when it comes down to just them and the devil, you know, lying to them. Well, they don't have what it takes to hold fast, hold fast what they have, you know. So with that in mind, we've got to recognize that, um, you know, thank God for Benny Hinn and thank God for those ministries, you understand. 
Actually, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just tell you a little bit more information about Brother Benny Hinn called Brother Hagin's ministry and said, look, so many people that I minister to lose their healing, what should I do? And Brother Hagin said, well, start morning classes and have somebody teach the word to them. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's the answer for that. Yes. Everybody say, that's the answer for that. Yes. Remember, uh, if, you if you read the Christ the Healer book there, you read probably... Uh, about how, I don't remember if it's in the book or where I got this information. I know it's, I know it's uh, information that's factual, but um, the, uh, what F.F. Bosworth used to do whenever he was, he's the one that wrote that book, he used to go into a city and just start a Bible study. And he said, usually it took three weeks to get enough word into somebody that they'd receive their healing. And then people would start coming. Now, when I say three weeks, I mean every night, seven days a week. <laughs> You know, so that's 21 services. Right. Eventually, somebody would see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then they didn't have room for the crowd. And they'd have, you saw the pictures maybe on the back of that book. I know there's maybe updated versions, maybe don't have all the pictures, but large crowds, right. you know. Amen. 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 So uh, we want to look at, uh, you know, because the teaching of the word is really going to keep you healed. We used to minister in healing school and people would come and they'd say, because it was advertised worldwide, really, with the Word of Faith magazine. And people would come and they would say, you know, we'd, we'd get up and we'd say, open your Bibles too. And they would open their Bible. And, you know, the next service, open your Bible and, and we'd teach the Word. And you, know, you could just see some of them looking at you like, what are you doing? I can't, and I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying they didn't understand. They wanted us to just pray, lay on hands every service, prophesy. I don't know what all they wanted us to do. But see, they were just, they, they, you know, remember whenever Naaman was healed in the Old Testament, he came to the prophet and he wanted the prophet to lay hands on him. And the prophet didn't even come out. You remember that? He just sent his servant out and said, well, go dip in the River Jordan seven times, you know. <laughs> And he got mad because he got real mad. And he said this on the way when he left. He said, surely I thought. Remember, he said, I thought he would strike his hand over the place. You know, meaning laying on of hands. And then he would call on the name of his God. That'd be prayer and laying on of hands. And he almost missed it because he thought it was going to be a certain way. You understand? You can miss what God's trying to do by, well, I, I thought it was, I, I thought, I thought, well, see, that's our problem. We thought too much. <laughs> and our thinking wasn't in line with the way God wants to do things. Now, laying on the hands and prayer, those are all scripture. Isn't that right? But you realize if somebody's not in a position to believe or if they still have a lot of, yeah, but what about? You realize that laying on the hands isn't going to do anything for them. Or if it does, it'll come through the minister's faith or the, cor the corporate faith of the congregation or gifts of the spirit. And then when Satan comes back, they won't know quite how to resist that. So what are we doing? We're, we're taking time to plant the word and, and also moving in the Holy Ghost so that whenever, whenever he does come back, then you've got something in you to resist and you won't have to call somebody else and say, see, isn't that, you, you don't want to live, you grew up naturally and you came to a place you didn't want to have, depend on mom and dad for you know the groceries and you, you, you came to that place didn't you I hope, I hope you came to that place has Scott come to that place <laughs> but anyway that's the way God wants us to do spiritually where we're not depending on somebody else to get us over now thank God we all have everybody we, we have fellowship of other believers and 
you know, that's always an asset. But, but you know, we don't need to be calling other people every time we need prayer. We can just pray for ourselves. Amen. So uh, we started last week really going into some other issues. And uh, I want to share tonight about one of those issues. If you were here last week, we went over things, or let me say, if you weren't here, we went over things like walking in love. The Bible talks about certain things can hinder our prayers, you know. Um, so we have these other issues. You can get last week's service. But really what it boils down to, when you actually examine, you know, some of the things we shared last week about, you know, First Corinthians 11, where it talks about for this cause, many are weak and sickly. What we find then is, is that Paul's talking about there. If I go over there really quickly, I go to you're in Mark. You can keep your fingers there uh, or one of them. You might need the other nine by the time I'm done. But uh, go over to First Corinthians chapter number 11. First Corinthians chapter number 11. Um, and then we're going to look here. You're familiar with this passage where he's, Jesus, I mean, uh, Paul's sharing about receiving communion, how Jesus revealed it to him. And then he said in verse number 28, let a man examine himself, let him eat, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 29, he that eats and drinks unworthily. Now, not, not, uh, L-Y is a manner in which he does it. He didn't, he didn't mean he, this person is unworthy to do it. He's just talking about the manner in which we're to do certain things. Amen. Uh, in other words, inappropriately be another way to say it or in an unfit manner. Uh, I believe it's the Weymouth translation says uh, in a uh, undeserving way. Well, what is the communion? Communion is remembering as often as you eat this bread in verse 25 and drink this cup, you, rem you, put, you remember me. In other words, we're remembering what Jesus did. Well, if we're doing this, remembering what he did for us, then he's saying there's a certain way, there's certain ways not to do it because that is a disrespectful way of remembering what he did. That's what he's trying to tell us. So um, he's saying there's certain ways that are, uh, that he's not deserving of. In other words, he deserves us being honorable about, honorable about some things. That's what he's talking about. And uh, doing it in a dishonorable way or in a way that he has, has not deserved. See, he gave his life for us. We should be honorable and, and, and respect and honor the way we receive communion, the way we remember him, you know. But anyway, verse number 29, he, 29, he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Damnation be condemnation. See, when we do things in a wrong way, our heart's going to condemn us about it. Dishonorable. But uh, he, he uh, eats and drinks condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Well, uh, for this cause... Many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. So he's talking about there's a cause. Here he said they were weak, and he didn't just say one or two of them. He said many of them. Well, would it be that uh, this is still true today? I mean, this is the word of God to us too, isn't it? So there is a slight possibility <laughs> that uh, there is... There are people today that are in this category. They're weak, sickly, or here he said, many sleep. We would, a translation say, die premature would be the way we'd say that today. Uh, there, is a, uh, there is a possibility that people today, there are causes for them being sick. 
How many of you know if we have opened the door to the enemy in an area and we just want to go use our faith and, and pull the lever and push the faith button and out comes healing out of the heavenly slot machine. But we have an open door to the enemy. It's not going to work, is it? Because see, if we're going to receive from God in that case, then we're going to have to close the door before we can receive. Now, this isn't a condemnation thing. Actually, it's a good thing. If we realize a place that the door is open, that's really not bad news. That's really good news. Oh, thank you, Lord. You, you showed me that. I think of the story Pastor Nancy tells. You remember the story. You can't forget this one. This is so funny. But she tells a story about a lady, a bridesmaid in, in one of the weddings that, I don't think she was at the wedding, but I think somebody told her the story. A friend, somebody, a friend told her about a wedding they had been to. And the bridesmaids, you know, they always come down and, and dressed in their dresses. But this one bridesmaid, she had to go to the restroom right before she came out. Remember that story? And um, she pulled up her pantyhose and she had the dress, you know, the long, because they always wear those long dresses, had her dress up in the pantyhose, you know, and she's walking down the aisle. You know, in all of her glory. <laughs> and she got down all the way to the front and finally somebody at the front saw her and, and jerked it out and pushed it down, you know, got the dress out of her pantyhose. Well, how many of you know that was a friend that, that said you're exposed and got, you, got her covered up? The people on the back row need to be slapped, you know? It's because why did you let her be exposed all the way down to the front? That's not being a friend, is it? I mean, a friend will say, hey, you're exposed, cover up. Well, I'm just going to volunteer to be the friend tonight. And, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know your life. I don't, I'm not here to say you have, you have opened the door to the devil. I'm just here to share the word and let you, the Bible says, we examine ourselves. I got enough business. I got enough job care, taking care of myself. And then Pastor Debbie gives me a lot of work too. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's not here so we can have fun at her expense, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the point is that, you know, you examine yourself, I'll examine myself. And when we examine ourselves, that doesn't mean condemn ourselves. Don't get over into the devil saying, well, yeah, here, when, when Pastor shares that, think about all the mistakes you made when you were a child and all the mistakes you made last year. Well, is it under the blood? If it is, don't let the devil hit you over the head. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, see, that's all. Condemnation is of the devil. And, and Jesus never will condemn you. You know, even if you or I have missed it, he won't condemn you or I. He'll convict us. He'll let us know of the area that, that maybe we've opened the door. But he won't, he won't uh, pass sentence on us. In other words, he won't say, well, you know, you will never... You'll never receive because of that. No, he'll woo us to a place of wanting, of, of seeing what it is and get us to a place where we receive and, and make an adjustment. That's what love does. Love, you know. But anyway, Satan will condemn. And the condemnation Satan brings always comes from the outside and it comes to your mind. It's a bombardment against your mind. God doesn't, you know, he doesn't, it's not coming to hear when God's talking. It comes up out of your heart. And it's never condemnation. Your own heart will condemn you, but the Holy Ghost won't. Amen. 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 So uh, I'm talking about examining ourselves in the light of the word, not examining ourselves in the light of what the devil's saying. Amen. So here he says in verse number 29, he, he said, eating and drinking condemnation, not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. Many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. Um, take, the, take the mass healing meetings, for example. If there's a cause in people's lives 
then that won't work even if they did get temporary help. You understand? Let's say, for example, I've used this illustration before. Let's say, for example, you and I are neighbors. You live right across the street from me. My house is right here. Yours is right across the street. Our front doors look at each other. So let's say you're out in the front porch one night and you're, uh, you know, it's cool of the evening. Can't be now, but anyway. <laughs> but it's summertime, cool of the evening. You're out on the front porch and you, you're, you, let's say you have a swing and you're sitting out there drinking some lemonade with your wife, talking to your kids and they're, you're walking around having fun in the yard and all of a sudden you see my front door open and you see, you see me, Pastor Debbie, everybody you can find in the house. You, 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 we've got brooms, we've got, we got sticks, we've got all, and we're shh, shh, shh and, and a skunk runs out of the house. And you say, whoo, got that stinker out. We say, yeah, I sure did. Thank you, Jesus. Close the door. And, and whenever the skunk ran out, you saw the skunk run around the back of the house and disappear. Well, we closed the door and you're sitting there enjoying your lemonade in the evening. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, the door opens and we're doing the same thing. And, and, and we chase a skunk out of the house. Well, you know, you're going to think, well, either... Either there was two skunks in that house, you know, and the skunk disappears and goes around behind the house. After a while, same thing happens. The door comes open. I got a broom. Pastor Debbie's got something and we're chasing and the skunk goes out of the house. After a while, you keep seeing that skunk run around and you're going to think either there was three skunks in that house or there must be a back door open. Right? And how many of you know if, if people receive and then lose it, receive and then lose it, they need to examine why is it that they're, it could be just that they don't know how to maintain it, you understand? But we need to examine, is there a back door open? You know, everybody looks good in church. Satan, get out of my life. In church, you know, they're... Well, why is it for three years that same person is dealing with the same issue? They've been resisting for three years. Why is it? Now, you gotta, you got to walk in the spirit about this because the devil will jump on this kind of thing and he'll start giving you a thousand reasons why. you got to really, you know, you hesitate in some of these areas because people have to know the difference between the voice of the spirit and, and getting their mind renewed with the word and the devil talking to them. There's nothing worse than a Christian being bound up with lies of the devil because this is the reason and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. You know, because back there years ago, you were a bad person or some, something like that. Well, see, we're not talking about something like that. Y'all still with me tonight? We're just uh, saying that there's, there's verses here that reveal to us that there can be other causes. So um, he said, if we would, verse 31, we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So how do we judge ourselves? Not with, you know, Paul said, for example, go over there to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. My goodness, this is coming out a little slower, but it's, we're, we're going to get this. Um, where am I going? Second, well, I guess it's 1 Corinthians. Back up to 1 Corinthians. If I can make, where am I at here? Yeah. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Look at verse, um, chapter number 4, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 3. With me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Okay, with that in mind, hold your finger there. Go over here again. First, this is just a few chapters later. Paul said in verse number 31 in chapter number 11, if we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Wait a minute. 
He said, I judge not my own self. And then he said, if we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Yeah. Is Paul confused? No. Actually, if you look at some other translations over here in the fourth chapter, third verse, he said, I judge not my own self. He's talking about, I don't judge myself according to what I think about myself. In other words, I don't, I don't uh, look at myself and ask myself, how do I measure up? I'm asking Jesus, how do I measure up? And he's saying, basically, earlier there, he said, I don't even, it's a small thing that you judge me. He's talking to the church there at Corinth. So what he's saying is, I don't judge myself based on what they think, nor do I judge myself based on what I think about myself. You know, you can think you're doing pretty bad, and Jesus says, you're doing hot. You're doing awesome. I'm telling you the truth. You know, a lot of times Jesus is near as hard on you. Here's the reason why. Because he understands the level that you're at. You know, you see how much, I've seen this so many times as a pastor. People, they, they come to me and they're, they're, they're discouraged about how they're not making progress like they, like they think they ought to be. And I want to shake them and say, I've been, you see, you're living with yourself. I, I, I'm on the outside looking in and you're making tremendous progress. I tell you the truth. I, I've been, I've told you this before. Some of you are doing better than I did Amen. at the stage that I was at. Amen. I had to, you know, I had to, Jesus had to get up, you know. He had to get some things through my head. You know what I'm talking about? Jan, does Leonard know what I'm talking about? <laughs> how many of you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You can see how far somebody's gone. And they don't see how far they've grown. You know, you're living with yourself and you don't see your, you, well, you see yourself every day and you know, you know what you want to be doing and how far you want to go. But, you know, every now and then it's just good to let somebody tell you, hey, you're doing awesome. Look at what, look, just think about two years ago. Just look at where you were two years, how you used to let the devil beat you up with condemnation and all this. You know what I'm talking about? Well, so Paul's saying, I don't even judge myself by my own standards. We have standards. You know, there's some things. Take, take, here's one. We'll just pick one. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have standards about the weight you want to be at? You know, a lot of those things are self-imposed. And we beat ourselves up because we're not there. And we kind of go to the Lord like, Lord, I'm sorry. He's saying, I didn't put that on you. You know, the Lord might be dealing with you about something, but he's probably not near as hard on you about as you are about it. Am I helping anybody tonight? So Paul said, I don't even judge myself by my own standards. Amen. Turn Hollywood off and, you know, stop letting them tell you what you're supposed to look like and all that. Do you realize if, if you were going to look like some of them, I don't know why I'm on this. I guess somebody needs it. If you were going to look like some of them, you'd have to break a bunch of bones and, and you know, reform the way you are. If you don't have that skeletal system, forget about it. Just, just look at them on the TV and go... You know what I'm talking about? That's just one area. We could go into a whole lot of other ones. But here's the thing I'm pointing out. The, po the point is, 
when we judge ourselves, we're not to judge ourselves by our own standards. We're to judge ourselves in light of what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. Now, with that in mind, back here in 1 Corinthians 11, that's just a little side journey there. That little rabbit trail. Hallelujah. Now, I will say this. It's, it's between you and the Lord what you weigh. Since we're on that, let's, let's stay on that. It's between you and the Lord. There's, there's what, what another person thinks you ought to weigh is, is none of their business. There's, there's two other people in your life besides yourself that you, you have to stand before and, and, and talk to about, and that's Jesus and your spouse. Okay. I'm going to back out of that one. I'm going <laughs> to. All right. Well, notice here, he's talking about there can be causes. There can be other causes that are not just a person doesn't know what belongs to them. How I many of I mean, what we're reading here, this is something other than the person doesn't know healing belongs to them. And it's something other than they, they don't know how to, you know, obtain it by their own faith. The cause here is not discerning the Lord's body. Now, that just simply could be applied. You could, you could uh, apply that in a couple of ways. One, you could say the Lord's body is, is what, when we break the bread, we're remembering his broken body, meaning we, we need to, when we say discern the Lord's body, we need to recognize his body was broken for us. In other words, for our healing. That'd be one way. But how many of you know the context here even brings something else out? Remember, the, if you read the context, which we often refer to, sometimes don't read it, but it's talking about whenever you come together, um, they would eat a supper. They would eat a, you know, a, a meal together. And verse number 21 talks about one being drunken and one being hungry. And they weren't giving anybody that had, had no food or was hungry. They weren't giving them food. They were all, the people over here that had food were eating and somebody over here is hungry. You know, that's not walking in love. If you read the whole thing, you can see that's what he's saying. And that could be another interpretation of not discerning the Lord's body. Because if that, that man over there is a brother in Christ, well, um, you know, it's not walking in love because he doesn't have money for him to be on the outside. You understand? That's why at Spirit of Faith, there are no reserved seats for the lawyers and the bankers. No, that, that rank stuff doesn't work in here when it comes to money and everything like that. You know what I'm talking about? I'm preaching better tonight than you're amen. <laughs> but the point is, is that um, here's, he said that we, we need to keep the door closed. One of the things that is, can be a cause is not discerning other members of the body of Christ properly. Now, with that in mind, what I... We, we have so many of these things we need to be walking in the light of, so, such as not giving place to the enemy, uh, discerning the Lord's body, judging ourselves in the light of the word. Um, for example, we talked last week about walking in love quite a bit. And uh, we, we didn't talk a lot about some, uh, some of the other things that are kind of major issues in the New Testament. But really, how are you going to learn about all these things? And this might sound funny, but I'll, I'll introduce it to you this way. Really... How are you going to know about what it is that's going on concerning your body is you're going to have to have your, constantly have your mind renewed to the Word of God. You're going to have to constantly be a person that is being washed in the water of the Word. 
because um, that really keeps you from wrong thinking and it'll keep you thinking like God sees things. You know, God sees things different than the way we see things. Now, when it comes to uh, being sure that we're not opening the door to the devil in some of these other areas, we need to be at a place then where we're constantly receiving the word and that really, really is, it lends to the local church or a place where you're getting fed. Some place where the word of God is being preached. Which actually, if you think about it, goes along with discerning the Lord's body. Because God has put in his body first apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? And the Bible said, go over there to the book of uh, Matthew. Took a long time to introduce that, but we'll get to Mark in a while. Hope you got your, well, you might lose it, but you can, we'll get there eventually. Back here in the book of Matthew, go with me to Matthew chapter number nine, verse number 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36. He said, he saw the multitude. This is Jesus. He saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no healing evangelist. Huh? Oh, oh, I was reading. As sheep having no prophet. Huh? As sheep having no shepherd. Now, do I mean that the, the, the uh, prophet or the healing evangelist or something like that is not important? Absolutely not. That, that'd get you in trouble with God too. But when he said here, uh, sheep were scattered and, and uh, because they fainted and were scattered, he said the reason was is because they didn't have a shepherd. Now, the same Greek word translated shepherd translated pastor. I think maybe many of you know that. But if you uh, look it up, the same word is used for shepherd and, and pastor. Same Greek word. Really, it's the same thing. Remember, the Bible calls all of us, as members of the body of Christ, it calls us sheep. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, you know. So really, we're sheep. And Jesus said, sheep need a shepherd or a pastor. Amen. And he said, really, here in the King James, it says, they fainted and were scattered abroad. The word scattered abroad, I did some research into that. And that's very interesting. Scattered abroad didn't just mean they ran around, they ran off which sheep have a tendency to do too, but scattered here means uh, chased by a predator. If you look it up, scattered means chased by the enemy talking about Satan in this case. Satan's the enemy of, of the sheep. How many of you know Satan walks about seeking whom he may devour? He loves mutton. He loves sheep meat. <laughs> See, I threw some of you right there. You're like, uh, what's mutton? <laughs> But he loves, did I get that right? It's sheep meat, isn't it? Um, Satan is the, is the devourer and he wants to devour sheep. Well, could we say then that it's important that a sheep has a shepherd because isn't that part of the role of the shepherd? The Bible says all through the New Testament that sheep, I mean, uh, pastors are to feed the flock of God. But you know, a lot of times that word feed, if you look it up, it doesn't just mean feed. It means tend the flock. Some new translations will say that. Tend the flock. Well, what does that mean? If a shepherd's out on the side of the hill, he's tending the flock. Well, yeah, he's bringing them out to a place to eat. He's bringing them out to water, so forth. But what else is he doing? He's watching out for wolves and, you know, watching out for those predators that want to prey on the sheep. Isn't that right? How many have ever seen us as pastors running some people off? 
I know it's not pretty. <laughs> you know. We've had uh, sexual predators come here. Well, they're welcome if they want to receive the word. You understand. But uh, if, they, if we know that about them, we'll have an usher follow them around everywhere they go. But if they start acting out and they don't, they don't want to receive correction, well, we just say, no, not here. Because that's a, that's a protective thing there. So you say, mom, that's not walking in love. It's walking in love towards the sheep. Walking in love towards the sheep. All right, now, he said, they scattered as sheep having no shepherd. So really, if you think about it, the sheep were scattered because Satan really was the predator. He's the one scattering them. He's chasing them. He's devouring them. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to devour sheep. With that in mind, why is it that uh, according to this scripture, Jesus said the shepherd's, the shepherd's ministry or the pastor's ministry is the important ministry? It's because the pastor's ministry is going to be the force in, his, in the sheep's life that's going to keep the sheep from being devoured. Now, why do I say that? Is it because of his whatever uh, organizational skills or his natural abilities? Absolutely not. Go with me, if you would, over here to the book of 1 Peter. We've shared some of these things, but we've got some other things we want to share tonight. 1 Peter, chapter number 5. Look with me at verse number. Uh, let's go to verse number 7. Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Adversary of the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Well, if you put a period there, what are we going to do? Lay down and cry? Well, he's walking about seeking whom he may. No, look what he said. Whom resist? How do you resist him? Well, devil, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Is that how you resist it? I'll make a deal with you, devil. I won't bug you if you don't bug me. No. No, resist him. Notice. Steadfast in the faith. Hallelujah. So, faith is the real issue. Satan will devour people that don't have... That, well, see, he's looking for whom he may devour. Meaning people of faith, he's not able to devour them. That's right. Amen. Don't ever you forget it. It's faith that, that resists the devil. So Satan wants to devour. Well, yeah, but is it, is it the, the Christian's faith or is it the pastor that keeps him from being devoured? Well, yes. I don't understand. We'll go to 1 Thessalonians and we'll, we'll bring this together here. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. I know we've shared this, but we're going to get into something else here tonight. Hold on with me. We're about to pop the clutch. 1 Corinthians 3. Notice what it says here. He said, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 3. Um, first of all, let's go back to the second chapter, verse number 18. He said, I would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So Satan was trying to keep him from getting there. Now, why? If you read down through the next few verses, you'll find that uh, verse number five in chapter number three, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. So he wanted to get there. He wanted to find out how they were doing in their faith. Because he hadn't, you know, they didn't have email. They didn't have whatever, you know, they didn't have go to meeting. They didn't have anything. 
They, you know, it was letters and letters took a long time to get back and forth. So Paul wasn't sure how they were doing. He had been there. He had put the word of God into him. But he said, I want to know your faith. Now jump down here. Uh, verse, let's keep on reading. Verse 6. Now when Timotheus came from you to us and brought to us brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also you to see you therefore brethren we are comforted over you all over uh, you in all our affliction and distress by your faith notice he keeps mentioning about we're comforted so glad you're standing in faith Amen. Timothy told us how you're standing in faith we're comforted by that he said he said now if you live verse number eight if we live if you stand, now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith you, we joy uh, for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now what he's saying here is, because we're reading the book of 1 Thessalonians, aren't we? Isn't this inspired by the word of God? Doesn't faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Well, Paul wrote him a letter. Wouldn't this be enough? To perfect, notice he said, I want to see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Well, isn't the word of God enough? Well, sure it is. But, you realize other people have some things in the word and you can receive from how, they're, how God's teaching them out of the word. See, a lot of Christians, they have the idea, well, I have a Bible. Yeah, but they don't read it much. Don't look at me. I pastor. I know. They don't. I know of people that leave their Bible here at church until they get, I've, I've watched it for years. They leave it here at church and then they come back and they get it whenever they come back to church. Now, I'm just wanting to believe they have one at home, maybe. But you understand what I'm talking about? Whenever somebody loses it and it's in lost and found for three months, you wonder, um, <laughs> so yeah, we do have the word of God, but you realize that, um, you know, a lot of times people don't, don't read it and they don't see everything that the Bible's saying. And really, if you read Paul's writings, he basically said in Ephesians, I'm anointed to help you see. Ministers that God said in the church are not just set there with no real responsibilities. They aren't set there to say, I'm this, I'm that. Well, pfft. no, they've got a job to do. And wouldn't it be sad that they have a job to do, but, but there's nobody that needs what they have to do. You think Jesus knows that if we need a pastor, if we need people to speak into our life, you think, you think he actually knows that that's what we needed? You think maybe that's... What I'm, I'm preaching the local church. I'm preaching the pastoral office because it's, it's, so, it's so maligned today. And there's so much out there of anti-church. There's so many Christians that, well, I'm saved, but I don't like organized Christianity. Well, have you ever noticed that they're the ones being devoured? They're the ones that everything in their life is scattered, including their brains. And I don't mean that mean, I'm just saying they're scatterbrained. They, they, they're on medications to try to help them with their anxiety and their kids are scattered and their health is scattered. Everything about their life is scattered. And am I preaching in the right room tonight? 
God has something for them. He's blessed them with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And the anointing of the ministry is part of those spiritual blessings. Whenever you don't receive that, then you're going to do without something Jesus has provided to keep your life working. Now, Ephesians in the fourth chapter says, you remember what he said over there about the fivefold ministry? He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and uh, teachers. I think that's verse 11, if I remember right. And then he goes on in verse, I think it's verse 12. He said, for the perfecting of the, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Do we all grow up, basically? Well, the word perfecting means maturing, but it doesn't, I, I just used to think that's the only thing it meant. But I looked it up one day just to look at it again. And it also means right ordering. Or arrangement. So the fivefold ministry is set in the church to bring order into your life. Amen. To where everything's not scattered. Amen. You know? Well, Pastor, that's pretty self-serving of you to preach that. Well, I used to preach this wherever I went. And I, I'm, I, didn't, I don't need this for my personal uh, self-esteem or something. People that get to know me, they know I'd pretty much rather live in the woods. I don't need people around me to, to make me happy. I, if you let me alone, which I'm not, I'm not complaining, you understand, but, but if, if, if God would leave me alone and everybody else would leave me alone, I'd go out, I'd, I'd, I'd move to Alaska, I'd find the furthest away place I could get to. I'd live in a cabin that I built out of logs. I'd become Grizzly Adams. I just like, I like my solitude. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you like me without the beards, that's what you're saying. But you know, what I, my point is, I didn't even choose this. I told you many times, I didn't want a pastor. <laughs> I, I love it now, you understand. But you know what I'm, the way I'm saying that. It's just, honestly, now I, I just, I'm, I'm so thankful. I don't ever want to leave. Don't, don't try to make me leave. I'm not leaving. <laughs> but my point is that, that there's, there's a place that these ministries have in our lives. And to not receive them is to do without some of our spiritual blessings. Now, he said here, I want to see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. What he's telling them is that there's some things that, that I, don't know, I don't know by the Holy Ghost what to write to you until I'm there and I look at you. I see your face. That's the reason it's not enough. It's good. It's, it's a supplement, don't misunderstand me, uh, to watch Christian TV and, and to listen to CDs and so online things and books and all those. Those are all a blessing. We thank God for them. But that's, this verse right here is the reason that's not enough. Because those people aren't seeing your face. Well, I can see them. Yeah, but they can't see you. And there is an operation of the Spirit reserved for just whenever somebody can look at somebody. I'm not saying nothing can happen through the internet or through television or books. It can, but what I'm saying is if you read your Bible closely, there's some operations of the Spirit that won't operate until a person is in the minister's presence. Let's just think of a few. Remember in the Old Testament, whenever God sent Samuel down to find who ended up being David to be king, but he didn't know at the time which son it was at Jesse's house. And remember, every time the man stood in front of him, because he had, what was it, seven boys? Every time he stood in front of him, God would say, God would speak to Samuel as soon as the man stood in front of him. He wouldn't speak to him before. And he wouldn't tell, 
God wouldn't tell Samuel who the king was. He just kept telling who it was. The boy had to stand in front of him for him to say, no, this isn't the one. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 